Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We pray the Lord speaks to you as you hear His Word today. If you would take your Bible or your Bible app and open with me to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. I want to thank you who are part of the Bible Center family tuning in via TV or turning in online. Thank you so much for being here with us today. And I also want to welcome and thank those of you who are with us in person. Uh, It's good to see your faces also. Let me say welcome to those who are new. If you're new to Bible Center, if this is your first time being here in person or your first time watching online or on TV, thank you so much for being with us. I look forward to meeting you uh, very, very soon. But until then, as Pastor John said, we'd love for you to connect with our online pastor, Matt Garrison. And again, all the details uh, are there on the app or the website. I want to begin today with a question by asking you where you primarily get your news. Primarily, where do you get your news? And so it's not, we all kind of get our news from different places, but I'm talking about primarily, where do you get your news? How many of you would say primarily, probably TV? Are there any TV people here this, today? Primarily TV, okay? Yep, absolutely. I got my news primarily for, through TV for quite a while. And I remember my, my grandpa growing up, he, he used to wait for the 11 p.m. news. It used to only come on at you know, 6 o'clock and 11. He would have his bowl of cereal right at 9 o'clock, not 9.01, 9 o'clock. And then he would wait up for 11 to watch the news. It was a big deal when they finally moved the news to 10 p.m., right? That was a huge deal. And they had it at 5 and at 10. And then they went to 24-hour news cycles. It's like he had died and gone to heaven. And so uh, many of us remember that. Yeah, still a lot of news on TV. How many of you get your news primarily through the newspaper? My hand would actually be raised on this. Believe it or not, I get my news. Okay, there's like two of us in here that get our news through the newspaper. I subscribe to the Gazette, even though I don't agree with every article or, or every writer. I enjoy reading about my city, and I enjoy reading about perspectives from my city. Again, whether they're just like my perspectives or not, I'm thankful that the paper seems to be doing a little bit of a rebound, and so uh, some of us get our news from the paper. How many of you get your news through, say, Twitter or Facebook primarily? You say, that's probably where I watch my news the most. And then the last question is online, say, through like Google News, somewhere like that, somewhere online other than Twitter or Facebook. You know, the truth is we get our news in different places, uh, but all of our news outlets have something in common. All news outlets have somewhat of a, of a drivenness. They're somewhat driven by fear. You see, the news knows that if we're secure and happy in our lives, there's no need for us to go back daily or hourly or minute by minute to get an update. And so if they can keep us somewhat in, in some level of uncertainty, we'll continue to go back. Media outlets profit if they can keep us coming back time and time again for security. And so this is what I want us to know at the very, very beginning. Fear is the major motive of many media outlets. Notice I didn't say all, right? I said many. And so we're not, we're not lumping everybody in there, but fear is the major motive of many media outlets. Fear is one of the biggest challenges we face today in terms of media consumption. Think about it. 
there's an expression among those uh, who, among editors and publishers, if it bleeds, it leads. If the story bleeds, the story leads. Sensationalism sells. And so if there's, find a way to catch us with a headline, to somehow disrupt our day just enough time to stop and read or watch, then they've accomplished their mission. Now, the seat, this, today as I preach this message, I am praying that God will use it for your peace. I really believe that some of us need a message like this for our peace. I'm praying that God uses this message for your joy, for your satisfaction. I believe that for many of us, our public witness will depend on how we take in this message today. And so in the next few minutes, I'm going to give you one big idea, and then I'm going to give you six ways to manage your media. Six ways to manage your media. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. I invite you to follow along as I read. Therefore, I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, do not worry. There's the first reference to worry. About your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, there it is again, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry. There it is again. What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans, unbelievers, run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But verse 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, verse 34, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord. Let me go ahead and give you the big idea. This is the, the big idea, what I believe that, that Jesus would have us communicate. It's simply this. Jesus invites us to flourish in faith, not fret in fear. Jesus invites us to flourish in faith, not fret in fear. Jesus is the master teacher. So he over and over again repeats his main thought. He repeats his main point. And his main point, essentially six times, is do not worry. Jesus calls us to flourish in faith, not fret in fear. Now, last weekend, we heard a lot about what it means to flourish. If you missed last weekend's message from Matthew chapter 5, I invite you to go back because the Sermon on the Mount is, is just dripping with this idea of flourishing. So tonight we're gonna, or so today we're gonna talk a little bit more about, about faith. Jesus invites us to flourish in faith, not fret in fear. There's two primary types of faith in the Bible. The first is what we call saving faith, saving faith. 
This is John 3.16 type faith. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, puts their faith in him, will not perish, but have everlasting life. We see it all the way back in the Old Testament. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. According to the Bible, there's nothing that we could ever do. No good work, no baptism, no sacrament, no communion. There's nothing that we could ever do to somehow earn the love of God or somehow have our sins earn the forgiveness of those sins. So the Bible teaches us that we have to put our faith in someone who can actually forgive those sins, wash them away for us. You see, the great story of the Bible is the story of the good news of Jesus. It's the story of the gospel. It's this story that God created all things, but sin has broken all things. But it's the story that Jesus came to save all things. He lived a perfect life. He couldn't have just showed up on Friday and died on, or showed up on Thursday and died on Friday and rose again on Sunday. He had to live the perfect life. He had to be the spotless lamb of God. But Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He was buried. He rose again the third day. And the moment, the moment on this very day, if you put your faith in Christ, you will be saved. Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 9, Romans 10, 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's saving faith. Wherever you are, no matter where you've come from, let me invite you this day, to put your faith in Christ. Stop trying to earn your way to heaven. You know you never will. But Jesus earned the way to heaven for you. That's saving faith. But then there's transforming faith. Uh, there's maturing faith or Christian faith, whatever you want to call it. And the beauty of transforming faith reminds us that our faith doesn't end the moment we decide to be a follower of Jesus. But that's the moment where our faith begins. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Bible says that the righteous, the just, will live by faith. It doesn't just say that they're saved by faith, but we actually live by faith. And so if Jesus can save us from hell, certainly Jesus can save us from our hopelessness. Certainly Jesus can save us from our habits and our hangups. Certainly we can put our faith in Jesus every single day to continue to transform us into the image of Christ. That's the message of 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is the gospel chapter and it's written to Christians. And the apostle Paul says, just as you put your faith, brothers and sisters, in the gospel originally, every single day, keep putting your faith in the gospel because the same gospel that saves you it's the same gospel that transforms you. We're all on the journey together. Jesus invites us to flourish in faith, not fret in fear. So what are those habits? What does he invite us to do? What practically, what practical advice can we do when we're in a world overrun with, 
with media and fear and terror, what can we do every single day to survive, or better yet, thrive in a world of media? Number one, they move quickly. Remember the unseen realm and its impact on your life. Remember the unseen realm and its impact on your life. In verse 25, Jesus calls us not to worry, and then he asks a question. He says in verse 25, Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Essentially, what Jesus is saying is that there's more to life than meets the eye. Jesus is urging us to remember that there's more to this life than what we can see with just our physical eyes. And what a good reminder this is for all of us. We see this in, in, I believe it's John chapter 10, John 10 and verse 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's Satan. But I have come that you, they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So Jesus is reminding us that Satan wants to ruin our lives. He wants to kill. He wants to steal. He wants to destroy Ephesians 6.12 says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now this week, some of you are coming in here today having felt like this week you wrestled with flesh and blood. I've had weeks like that. You've had weeks like that. Maybe this moment, you you're feel like that. But it says, but primarily we're wrestling against principalities and against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. 1 Thessalonians 2.18, Bible says this, we wanted to come to you, Paul's writing, even I, Paul, time and again, he's talking to this church, I wanted to visit you, church, I wanted to come to your city, I wanted to come to your town, but Satan hindered us. Let's get a vision for the unseen realm. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober, Peter says. This is Peter. This is the one Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail again. This is Peter. Peter says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. This week in my devotions, I was reading in the Old Testament in 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6, the story is about Elisha, not Elijah, but Elisha. Elijah is in a certain city in Israel, and one of the men of the city see that they're surrounded by the enemy. They think they're going to die. And so he, he asks Elisha, the prophet, what are we going to do? And in 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 16, Elisha says this, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, open this man's eyes, Lord, that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. This passage gets me. Because essentially what he's saying is all around us, we're in a spiritual warfare every single day, but we can't see it with our physical eyes. Daniel chapter 10 is another chapter to read this week. Daniel chapter 10, 
There is a, Daniel is praying for something that he wants God to do desperately. He is so desperate for God to answer this prayer that in Daniel chapter 10, for three weeks, he prays and he does a certain fast. He says he's not going to eat any meat and he's not going to drink any wine for three weeks. Okay, he's just going to live on the bare essentials for three weeks. So he, he gave up meat and wine to pray diligently for three weeks for God to do the impossible. At the end of three weeks, Daniel chapter 10, an angel comes to Daniel and he says, Daniel, the moment you started praying three weeks ago, 21 days ago, I left heaven with the answer to your request. But the demon of Persia withstood me for three weeks. And he said, I would not have been able to get through to you with a message from God had not the archangel Michael come to my defense. You're like, Matt, this is crazy. No, this is reality. The world that we live in is crazy. This is the world God wants to open our eyes to see. He's inviting you and me that when we read the media, there is more going on than just what we're reading. There's more going on than just what we're seeing on the TV. There is an unseen realm and the impact on our lives and the war that is taking place against your soul is very, very real. In the book of 1 and 2 Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy about the biggest problems he was facing in his church at Ephesus. Timothy was a pastor at Ephesus and his biggest challenges weren't coming from people who were denying that Jesus is God. But as you read 1 and 2 Timothy, you find that his biggest challenges were coming from people who should know better. People who weren't teaching heresy. They weren't even teaching blasphemy. But they were people who were taking their preferences and they were putting their preferences above the word of God. They had certain rules and preferences and opinions and we find in the book of Romans, God says it's okay for us to have our preferences and opinions and little pet ideas and beliefs. It's okay for all of us. We all have them. Opinions are like armpits. We all have them and they all stink, right? But, but God, God's not saying don't have them. You see in Romans, he says, have them as long as they're not just hurting the unity. But in the book of First and Second Timothy, they were hurting the unity of the church and people were coming with all their preferences and opinions and they were making them on par or greater than the word of God. And I had never seen it until this week. And you know, I've preached through the book of First Timothy. But we find in First Timothy 4.1, Paul surprises Timothy and he surprises us by reminding us that such problems in the church is the result of the deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Remember the unseen realm this week and its impact on your life when you're consuming your media. Number two, go outside and enjoy something beautiful. Go outside and enjoy something beautiful. In the passage we just read a moment ago, Jesus calls our attention to two things. He calls our attention to the birds of the air in verse 26 and the flowers of the field in verse 28. He says the flowers are so pretty that even King Solomon at the top of his game can't compare to the flowers. 
I love how the Eastern Orthodox Church tradition phrases this idea. They say the world, our world, is a flame with the presence of God. I've started a new habit now every week as I take my sermon on Tuesdays to the entire church staff and I let them know what I'm going to be preaching and I'm just asking if there's any more thoughts that they have, any more ideas or stories that may fit. And this week, our youth or our high school pastor, Ryan Bandy, reminded me something. I don't know how I missed this because I've been to Israel and you guys know I love to talk about Israel. He, he, said, he said, remember where this was taught. Matthew chapter six was taught on what we call the Mount of Beatitudes. It was taught on a hillside just beside the Sea of Galilee that we've now called the, the Mount of Beatitudes. Some of us were just there back in February. Beautiful place. By the way, we're gonna go again. 2022, May 31st through June 10th, 2022. It's for members, it's for attenders, it's for your friends, it's for your family, Bible Center folks, non-Bible Center folks. We'd love, we'll pack them out. We can take as many who wanna go, about two years away, Lord willing, we can travel by then. Jesus is reminding them at this place, as they get outside and see something beautiful of God's care for nature and God's care for them. I can only think of one place in the world more beautiful than this place, and it's West Virginia. Let me invite you to watch this video and think about how maybe even this, the rest of the summer, what little bit's left, God might allow you to get outside and see something beautiful.
that might be a little bit better than the, than the amount of Beatitudes. Number three, another word from Jesus. Number three, schedule occasional media fasts. Schedule occasional media fasts. Jesus said in verses 31 and 32, do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. Jesus and the disciples were very familiar with the way the world worked. He knew that the world worked in such a way that everyone wanted more. The God of his age is still the God of our age, wanting more, chasing after more. And so Jesus said that the pagans, the unbelievers, live life in a frenzy where it's just more money, more information, more power, more prestige, and they never had a rest. But Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is inviting us, his followers, to be different, to have some time where we we can separate from the rat race of life. And in this instance, I invite you to step out temporarily from the rat race of media. This week, I read an article by Alan Schliemann. It was in the blog, Stand to Reason. And Schliemann writes in in an article entitled, How 2020 is Taking a Toll on Your Soul. He says this, Could it be that God didn't wire us to carry every event taking place in every part of the world at every moment as if it were ours? Could it be that technology has produced fake omniscience and omnipresence, that's knowing everything and being everywhere, that is hurting mankind and not helping it. Though, through the internet and social media, technology has given us ringside seats to every event, tragedy, and evil act that happens in any part of the planet. That's not something we were created to handle. Up until the last fraction of human existence, we've only had to carry events that directly affect us. Think about people 100 years ago. Events that directly affect us, our family or friends, or our local community. But today, with the internet and social media, we can witness every evil event. If we miss it, a recording is readily replayed online. The carnage is funneled through our eyes and embedded in our soul. What we witness can be in the next town, the next state, or on the other side of the planet. No matter where it happens, we see it. It's like we're everywhere. Now, how do we combat this? How do we, how do we fight this? I'm suggesting we schedule occasional media fasts. Now, in order to preach this with some integrity, this past week, I did my first ever complete media fast. It was only for one day. So I thought I would do it just to tell you a little bit about it, what it was like. So I love the news. I'm a news junkie, right? I love the news. So yesterday, for a 24-hour period, I didn't consume any social media, any news. And I'll tell you what it was like. Walking out to my truck early in the morning to get in my truck and head to the office, walking by my newspaper, laying in my driveway, was like this struggle. Now, I know I'm being dramatic, but it's like this struggle. Like, that's, that's my paper. I can't just leave it there. But today I'm going to do it because I knew I was going to tell you that I was going to do it. And then uh, throughout the day, I noticed that every time I pick up my phone, multiple times, I pick up my phone, 
I turn it on and my thumbs go straight to social media. Like it's like they're trained to do it. So I would hit the button and I would go, no, 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 I got to turn it off, got to turn it off. But just out of habit. But I did find that I got more done and in one day I was more present. I'll ask you, what would happen if you did that occasionally for 24 hours? What would happen in your life? Let me encourage you to try it. Just try it and just see the tendencies that arise in your heart like they arose in mine. I am not advocating ignorance. I'm not advocating that we step out of reality. Actually, I'm advocating for quite the opposite. I believe that if we can learn to leverage the media and use it for the kingdom, it is a tremendous gift. But if we're not careful, it will bog us down and weigh us with stress and burdens more than our souls were ever made to handle. Take occasional media fasts. Number four, make time each day to read God's word. Make time each day to read God's word. Verse 32. At the end of verse 32, Jesus is recorded as saying, remember your heavenly father knows you need these things. So I'll ask you this question. How do we learn that our heavenly father, what he wants and what he doesn't want? How can we possibly learn those things? There's some things we can learn from nature. We can learn from nature that God is glorious and that God is majestic and that God is powerful and that God is great. But there's a limit to what we can learn from nature. And so I've already said, go outside and enjoy creation but that will only take us so far. So what I'm encouraging us to do is to make time each day to read God's word. When I was a kid, one of my favorite things was opening up my lunch bag or my lunchbox and seeing a note from mom or dad. Some of you had that and you know what I mean. Maybe you didn't have that and you don't know what I mean. Let me encourage you to find somebody to do it for. Don't make it weird. Find somebody to do it for. It's, a, it's, it's awesome. I can still remember opening up those notes and, and, and mom or dad would just write something small, not every day, but occasionally. I remember even more vividly the notes that I used to get and still get from my wife after 20 years. Uh, we have a box in my closet of love notes that she's given me over the years and that I've given her. And our daughters found it here probably two or three months ago I wish they hadn't found it, uh, but they found it and they started reading through notes. There's just something about that when you get that, that note from somebody you love and it's, it's to you, it's special. That's what God's word is to us. And so I would challenge you, yes, read the paper. Yes, check the news. Yes, scroll social media, sure. But don't go a day without making time to read God's love letters and God's notes to you. That's what the word of God is. It's the influence that shapes us. Make time each day to read God's word. Number five, leverage your time and energy for eternity. Leverage your time and energy for eternity. Look with me at Matthew 6.33. I'm going to read it. I invite you to follow along with me. Matthew 6.33. Spend your time watching the news and all these things will be given to you as well. 
Is that what Matthew 6, 33 says? Okay. Spend your time retweeting the news and all these things will be given to you as well. Obviously not. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first means to make it your top priority, to put God's kingdom and his way of life at the forefront of your life, to pursue it, to focus on it, to, to want it, to act in a way that the kingdom of God is your goal. It's just like an Olympic trainer trains his, his or her entire life for that gold medal. God invites you to leverage your time and to leverage your energy for eternity. You say, how do I do that? How do I seek first the kingdom of God? Well, the four previous suggestions are a great place to start. You can start by remembering the unseen realm and its impact on your life. You can do it by just doing what you already do with a different mindset. By going to the same job, raising the same kids, washing the same dishes, just with a different mindset. You can do it, as I've already mentioned, by going outside and enjoying something beautiful. Not just to enjoy nature, but to enjoy God's creation. You can do it by scheduling occasional social media fasts. You can do it by making time each day to read God's word. This week, one of our staff members shared the story in staff meeting. Johnny was sharing how that his dad, a, a businessman, makes time on his calendar every day and just like he schedules an appointment with his colleagues, an appointment with his employees, he's a business owner, he schedules a time every single day where he has an appointment with God. I love that. I love that idea. It's like, wow, what would it look like for me to have that on my calendar? It might be volunteering for a ministry. It might be caring for an elderly widow or a widower. It might be just simply living out the love God and the love other commands that we see dripping from the Sermon on the Mount. But whatever it is, leverage your time and energy for eternity. Number six, and lastly, what can we do? What habits can we form? To, to manage our media. Number six, maintain a well-balanced media diet. Maintain a well-balanced media diet. If you have your Bible or your Bible app handy, look with me in verse 34. Verse 34, Jesus is recorded as saying, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Maintain a well-balanced media diet. Have you ever noticed that, that nutritionists tell us that the best way to eat is when your plate looks something like this, right? A diversity of color, a diversity of food actually usually means a healthy plate. They're not talking about different color candy bars, but a diversity of food usually leads to a diversity of health. And a diversity of media also leads to your, your physical, or excuse me, your emotional, your mental, your communal health. How do you do this? Well, don't just get your media from one source. I want to encourage you. Uh, God did not call you to look like Sean Hannity. 
God did not call you to look like Rachel Maddow. God isn't calling you to be the spitting image of Chris Cuomo. God's inviting you to look like Jesus. And so get your media from some different places, but make sure that your life is centered first and foremost on Jesus, not one particular outlet. Getting your news from other sources will help you understand other people, even if you never agree with them. It'll help you love and learn from people that you may, you may never see eye to eye with, but you at least understand. The 2020 election is not going to save Charleston. The 2020 election is not going to save the United States of America. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ can do that through his people making disciples who make disciples. That's the only hope for this city or any other city. And so no matter who it is, it's not going to be Jesus. And so we can rest in the fact that God is in control. Yes, vote. Yes, campaign. Yes, run for office. But let's remember that God knows all things and that God's in control. Put more emphasis on the Word of God than you do in the news. You see, I've read the back of this book, and we, the people of God, we win. And so when we put more emphasis on God's truth, we can see our media in a fresh and new light. Why do I urge you to do these six things? Why do these, these six habits the answer is simple. Jesus invites us to flourish in faith, not fret in fear. Stop, stop fretting, stop worrying. Put your faith in Christ, either to save you or to transform you. He's worth it, and he can do it. Let's take a moment and let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the brothers and sisters who are watching online, on TV, who are here this evening in person. God, I pray that you would help them, followers of Jesus, help me with them to be transformed by your grace. Lord, instead of being shaped by the media, I pray we would be shaped by the master. But Father, as we live in this world, not to be of the world, but we are in the world, I ask that you would help us every single day, God, to live in such a way that it's, it's not the world that's influencing us, but it's us influencing the world. God, thank you for Jesus. Help us now in this moment, in this very minute, during this song, to take one of these practical applications, one of these tips, one of these points, one of these habits, and make it a part of our lives. Lord, we need you. We love you. We pray for your grace to continually transform in the image of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. For more information, visit us at BibleCenterChurch.com or check us out on social media. You can also join us in person for services on Thursday at 7 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m.